All right, welcome to the panel on developing your video strategy. We have a great group of panelists here today. So we're going to be discussing a lot of the fundamentals around video strategy. I know that uh, YouTube monetization and uh, MCNs are a hot topic right now, but I think it's important to understand a lot of the fundamentals on video and how it can be used as marketing collateral and also a discovery platform. <coughs> uh, my name's Gray. I run a consultancy and a specialized YouTube network called Quarter Lab. And I help creators build channels, create content programming strategies, and use best practices to help ensure that their content's being discovered by as many people as possible. I also work with larger media companies and IP holders to make sure that they're monetizing their content as effectively as possible on YouTube and also developing strategies outside of the YouTube platform. I'm going to have our panelists introduce themselves, starting with Brian Calhoun. Hi, everybody. My name is Brian Calhoun. I work with an artist management company called The Blueprint Group, uh, which is now part of Maverick. Uh, I oversee the digital strategy and execution for issues that uh, involve our clients. We represent Lil Wayne, Nicki Minaj, T.I., G-Eazy, Jill Scott, and The Roots. And um, full disclosure, I work with my friend Gray here on uh, helping us execute the, uh, the video strategy for uh, all of the uh, projects that we're working on. Hi, I'm Jay Gibson. I'm with Rumblefish. Uh, we do MicroSync licensing, content ID, and traditional sync. I'm head of content acquisition. My job is to clear and license master and publishing side rights to use and sync applications. Brian Felsen, I'm president of AdRib. We're the largest company that does uh, YouTube monetization for, uh, for artists and rights holders. Uh, and we also have, uh, we administer YouTube's content ID system, and we also have a multi-channel network as well. Cool. So quick show of hands. Does anybody in here operate a YouTube channel currently? A few. Are any of you familiar with MCNs, multi-channel networks on YouTube? A few. And some of you guys affiliated with MCNs currently? Okay, cool. So video is a pretty broad and diverse subject to tackle. So what we're going to try to do is make this discussion as broad as possible to where it's useful to everybody in the room, but also specific enough to where you hopefully walk away with some actionable advice and some creative ideas. Um, as I mentioned earlier, monetization on YouTube is a hot topic and something that a lot of people can take advantage of. But I think a more universal value add from video is, is marketing collateral and promotion and, and, again, being able to expand your reach. So I'd like to start the conversation off with Brian Calhoun uh, and have you talk a little bit about your experience or, more specifically, your artist experience within YouTube. Uh, I know you've got G-Eazy, who's really got a phenomenal channel that he built from the ground up and has really used that uh, to amass a fan base that's um, pretty... You know, die hard. And Nicki Minaj also has just recently established a presence on YouTube. But Lil Wayne's also got a really interesting story in that he already had tons of video assets out, uh, primarily through Vivo. And I feel like your management group took a different approach as to why you chose to get Wayne involved in the video space and, and exactly what goals you were trying to achieve with that. So I'm going to have you open up with that. Sure. So I, I think one of the things that, um, that Grace sort of touched on already is that that developing a video strategy is not just developing your YouTube strategy, but it's developing your video strategy. So how you're going to work with the various video platforms, and we don't necessarily exclusively work, we don't exclusively work with YouTube. Uh, you know, we, we obviously work very closely with Vivo. Um, we've worked with uh, MTV on things. We obviously work with, with YouTube. And, and, you know, there are times when we'll, we'll have... Uh, video content that is, you know, exclusive to somebody else's channel that will work with them on it as well. But <clears throat> specifically uh, around Wayne, and uh, this was when uh, this is a couple years ago when uh, Gray and I really started. Well, I guess it was last summer. Uh, developing a video channel, specifically a YouTube channel, just because of its nature and it, it, its uh, it, uh, the ability to have something that could be viral and shared very easily, and it's also a huge number of users already on the platform, and people are familiar with it. We were looking for opportunities to market a, the, a tour, an upcoming tour, and of course, you do all the traditional stuff. There's 
there's you know all types of advertising. You're doing stuff on um, you know with various ad networks, and uh, you know there's press and PR and stuff like that around it. But <clears throat> we were looking for ways, and it's one of the some of the feedback that we were getting from, especially from the European promoters, were that you know there's sometimes concern with fans that artists aren't going to show up uh, in Europe. American artists aren't going to show up, and because one of the other challenges we face is that the tour, this is Lil Wayne's tour, had been moved. So it was originally scheduled for early in the year, and then they moved it to the fall. And so we were trying to counter the uh, the fact that there was speculation that the tour wasn't going to happen or that he wasn't going to show up. So we weren't really concerned about monetizing uh, videos per se, but what we were concerned about doing was making sure that people knew that he was really going to he was going to be there and he was excited about the tour and so forth and even without his involvement his personal involvement we built a series of videos and we released two a week and we did things where we were um we were talking to like the lighting director and the stage manager and the choreographer and the bass player and all these people and we did these little you know two to five minute videos um you know showing like the stage being built you know, and then we did, um, we did like a time-lapsed video of the stage being built and, you know, used the drone to kind of like fly up and like get this really cool shot of it after it was built. And, and, um, and we used that as a, a marketing vehicle to make sure that fans in the U.S. for the U.S. part of the tour and in Europe knew that the tour was happening, was coming. And... You know there are some really cool tools that you have access to uh, within uh, the the, uh, the YouTube um, set. So we linked the website to to our YouTube channel, and we built in hyperlinks, the, the annotated links, so that whenever you watched a video, you could click here to get tickets. And you know we, we drove a ton of traffic to that. We also ran con- we also ran a contest um, where we gave away I think. I don't even know, it was like one pair of tickets or something like that. You, you, I don't even remember what it was. Like, I think we gave like one pair of tickets in the U.S. and uh, one pair of tickets in Europe. And the amount of traffic that we drove to the contest and then ultimately to awareness about the tour was just like incredibly, it was incredibly powerful. So even though we ultimately probably made a little bit of money on it, it was very secondary. And, and I say made a little bit of money. I'm talking about specifically with advertising revenue associated with it across the... 25 or so videos that we put out uh, we probably made a little bit of money but what was more important was the amount of traffic and awareness uh, uh, that was created with respect to uh, following that strategy and then also following that um, do you want to talk a little bit about the Wheezy Wednesdays series that followed up on that yeah and then uh, so Wayne also was really interested in doing some more stuff to kind of uh, give people an inside look at what his life is like and what he does and uh, there's there's a guy who's always following him around and has a camera and just, just gets like this really interesting stuff and the guys and, and Wayne is super super charismatic and 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 uh, an engaging person and we just started making these videos and called them Wheezy Wednesdays and it was just like him at his house like talking about his deodorant like it seems silly <laughs> but it was really really engaging and we got and it was it was. Uh, Again, it was kind of just, you know, here's stuff that's going on, drive traffic to the website. But ultimately, because we uh, used, uh, you know, the, like the content ID and we had it set for monetization, worked with the label to make sure that the channel is whitelisted so that the, uh, so when we used uh, recordings, they weren't being claimed by Universal. Um, but it ultimately benefited all of the parties involved and turned out to be something that uh, makes us money. I mean, it's not a huge amount of money. It's certainly not the kind of thing that's going to change, you know, his life, but it certainly pays uh, a few bills with re- with respect to, to these kinds of things. Or even pays for the promotion itself. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Totally. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And then, and, and it's interesting too, just kind of like going back and look at the analytics and seeing you, when you do certain things, what's driving traffic to your website and what's driving tickets or driving traffic to, to ticket sales, to, uh, into music. And, um, and this has been a, it's been an incredible learning experience for me learning from, you know, actually doing this stuff, but also working with Greg, who's, who's, an, who's an incredible expert in the space, but doing things like really making sure that we upload stuff and use uh, the content ID because people will rip the, as soon as you put we put up a video, people will rip it and try to put it up on their channel. 
And if we're not diligent about making sure that we claim it, uh, it will be on, you know, again, I mean, I know Wayne is an exception because he's, 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 a, he's a big celebrity, but uh, it's super important to make sure that, in my opinion, that when you put your content up, that you follow that process, you claim the content so that nobody else can do it, so that you have the ability to control the messaging and you control where you're driving traffic. It was super frustrating when other people would take the video and they would like speed it up or slow it down or something to try to get around the get around the, uh, the around the content ID and then post it on their website as if it was theirs, and then they would monetize it and they would have links to things that they wanted people to go to, even though it was it was our stuff. And I mean, we've had to issue strikes against uh, uh, against um, channels for doing that kind of thing. Uh, and, but I think we're pretty—it's pretty well established now that people know that you know if we post some stuff, it's not a good idea to do that. Sure, and we'll dive into the specifics of content ID and how identifying other people that are using your content and kind of how you can uh, mitigate those situations. We'll get into the specifics of that later. Um, one thing I, I like to really focus on, though, is that while Wayne's YouTube revenue was pretty significant by most people's standards. Compared to his album sales and his ticket sales, it's not going to, you know, for an artist of that, uh, that stature, it's kind of going to be a drop in the bucket. But once you create this catalog of video assets uh, on YouTube or anywhere else, but specifically on YouTube where you can include annotations to direct people to link out and, and check out whatever products you're selling, VIP experiences, you basically have just created a highly targetable ad campaign that runs perpetually. So two years from now, if people want to go and watch those videos and you're marketing something completely different, maybe he's got a new uh, skateboard line or, or some kind of merchandise that he's selling, at any point in time, you can leverage those views off of assets you created years ago and really use that to drive people towards uh, whatever you know your promotional priority is at that point in time. And instead of actually paying for an ad campaign, you're getting the most highly targeted ad campaign you could wish for, going specifically to Lil Wayne fans who sought out his content specifically. Um, so I think that's a really valuable ad and, and an important thing to take into consideration when you're trying to build up your video catalog. Um, what about other video platforms? I know you've had some involvement with Vivo, mm -hmm. um, and that's probably in large part due to the major record labels, but um, you know, is there anything that any of you have to add about other video platforms outside of YouTube? As far as like the exposure, promotion, yeah, it could be monetization. It's funny that you know everyone's obviously the eyes are always on YouTube, and that's the biggest player in the game. But I, we feel that there's other people coming up, social video networking platforms that have the ability to help promotions and help the artists and rights holders uh, promote their content. And the one big plus, obviously, with YouTube is the monetization value and being able to do and run your own CMS and have ad space and, and, and make some money off of it. Um, Dailymotion, um, Vimeo have not got to that point yet. I feel like they want to enter the space, but building a CMS system is a very daunting task and, and to run it is, is huge. Um, but I think the most important thing what those networks are trying to do <clears throat> are trying to combat piracy, like you're saying, re-ripping materials and, and saying, hey, listen, rights holder who uploaded this, do you own it or not? And if you don't own it, we're going to take it down. So I feel like the video networking platforms are good for promotional values, but as far as monetization and or thinking you're going to make money in the back end hasn't really developed yet. I would think the next one in line would be Facebook. Um, they've been buying some other companies and, and developing some video strategies, but they are still not looking to get into the, the music space yet. Uh, I think they are going to, but as far as monetization and being able to collect money off them is going to be slowly developed. I, and I'll add, you know, of course people talk about Vivo quite a bit, and I think one of the real big advantages of, uh, of use of Vivo can be the programs that they run where they feature it. So there's certainly a, you can certainly feel the impact if Vivo decides to feature your video. So with g -Eazy, who's another one of our clients, who's obviously not nearly as big as you know, Wayne or Nicki Minaj or something like that, but when, when, we ran a pro, when they had a program where they did a feature for G's video, we saw that it was, it was, it was, it was definitely impactful. Um, and then even, you know, and I you know, touched on it earlier, there, there are times when it makes sense to do things with somebody else. Like, so maybe there's um, MTV is going to premiere a video and they're going to... 
Well, let me step back by saying you have to consider, like, you know, if you're going to give somebody an exclusive on something for, for a limited period of time, uh, they're, they're, you consider what you're going to get for for it, right? Yeah, and yeah. there and there could be some really well, fortunate for you. You're in a different space than most. Be able to that's, be that's able to true, top that's one. True. I mean, yeah, I that's see, true. You're, you're right. No, you're I see right, where you're going, right, and that's right. and that's you could play the exclusivity game a lot more than most can, right? That's but, true. That's true. But the point is too is that you know I feel where the digital space is going for video is that you know you get front page on iTunes, you get front page on Spotify or audio. I finally feel like there's a space for that now on the video side. Mm-hmm. Vivo or YouTube mm-hmm. or Vimeo or wherever. And MTV. Too. And you can use it to your advantage yep. either way. You know what I mean? So it feels yep. like that game of developing marketing inside the video networks is finally starting to happen. But I, but I am bearish on the monetization even of, of, uh, of Vivo and Facebook. I mean, a lot of the Vivo videos uh, in channel and like their own thing off of YouTube haven't exactly panned out, nor has the monetization. And for Facebook, if they ever start to consider music as an important thing for society, um, then uh, (laughs) video uh, inside their ecosystem will likely disappear in a news feed just like anything else. So I'm not even convinced that there's a huge revenue opportunity for monetization on that platform either. So, you know, I don't know with the autoplay thing? I don't know if you had autoplay. In autoplay is great for monetization by cell phone carriers to eat up your data plans. Um, <laughs> yeah, really, if you I, I lo- think upload any music video and there's a chance to have monetization around it inside of Facebook, you would think that. I just don't think that the videos will have the legs that they do on YouTube. I think YouTube is really, really well positioned with. Uh, with uh, with the community in there, with subscribers, with with uh, with discovery, especially for older videos, and I think that you know the the stats have borne it out. I, I think that yes, SoundCloud with just you know a few tens of millions of views compared to a billion by YouTube has a potential of it. Daily Motion is dinky, but at least they're trying to monetize. The rest of blocking with Audible Magic, I mean that's delightful that they can block and protect copyright holders, but where's the money ultimately? That all makes sense. And, you know, the one thing I'd interject about Facebook is that, um, with hesitance, going to liken it to MySpace. You know, it's not a video platform, but it does have a lot of traffic. There are a lot of people visiting your band pages. And in addition to the fact that you can have some autoplay features, specifically on the mobile layout, uh, there's now the, the ability to add, like a, um, like, a video banner on the left side of your band page or product page that will be, be static there. So anyone who goes to visit your product page, your band page, will be able to see that video. And I've spoken with labels that have gotten forty to 50,000 views off of that. Are they making money off of that directly? Not in the form of ad revenue, but it is additional exposure. But money um, in forms of fans, friends, and followers, and that's, you know, something. Yeah, totally. Uh, two other things I'll mention about Vimeo is Vimeo obviously is, is more um, high quality than YouTube, so I think for a lot of the people that are really in the video and film space, as opposed to just musicians and labels, uh, really focus on that a lot of you know, and a lot of fans prefer Vimeo. So I know labels that have duplicative efforts. They'll upload everything to YouTube. Also do it to Vimeo. They see much less traffic on Vimeo, but they feel like it's worth their while for what other reason. An interesting thing that came out of a discussion that I had with Relapse Records, which is a uh, an independent metal label here in the states, but has a very global audience, is that they have you know do in part to the fact that they're focused on metal, they've got a huge fan base in Germany. And as a lot of you may know, GEMA, the Performing Rights Society in Germany, has blocked any kind of music content from being displayed on YouTube to fans in Germany. And apparently those, those gates don't apply to Daily Motion. I don't know if they're just not on the radar to that extent yet. Um, so that may be worth keeping in mind if you're, if you're looking to expand an international audience or if you specifically have people in, in Germany or Europe or any countries that have uh, more difficult licensing scenarios, that there are some other platforms that may help you reach your fans there. Yeah, that's, that's super frustrating. Uploading your video with your content that you own, that you have rights to do stuff with, and they're like, no, you can't post this. That's super frustrating. And there's even certain cases where, like, depending on what kind of network you're affiliated with, your video may have zero music at all. But if it gets classified as a music video, which isn't something that you can switch yourself manually if you're just a, you know, a, an average YouTube user, just having your video classified under the asset type of music video will keep it from playing in, in Germany, even if it's just somebody speaking directly to the camera for a few minutes. So um, not to dive too deep into that, but I think it's interesting to look at other video platforms uh, for those types of reasons, because it is a pain point for a lot of people trying to reach their European audiences. Yeah. So yeah. In fact, we had to put our videos up 
we had we did the whole world and then we had to do it on a different platform for Germany. Yeah. Because our videos were getting blocked. Um, do any of you have any experience running ad campaigns to promote your video content? Is that something that, that any of you guys have done firsthand? I know Google's got a big push really trying to encourage their channel creators to start AdWords accounts, dump money into that, and obviously that's going to benefit Google because they want more people advertising. But uh, I've kind of done a little bit of experimenting with it, but didn't know if any of you guys have, have had any experience with that. Yeah. We've done a little bit. Go ahead. I mean, I haven't, not directly. Some of the folks we work with, obviously, Maker Studios and folks like that that have content creators and, and are pushing it towards an MCN. But we we, probably, we put the onus back on the UGC creators and have them do it. We are the facilitators of some other products, but as far as the ad space, we don't really, I don't know, Brian, if you're... I mean, we, we, we don't encourage uh, content creators necessarily to buy advertising, but we do help and advise them, especially ones that participate in our multi-channel network, uh, in order to, to do things with their, their metadata, their playlists, their layout, uh, their descriptions, and, uh, and especially collaborations for audience development. Yeah, well, I, I say, and we've, we've done it, of course, just around, <laughs> like, you know, tours and album releases. And I know with in, in your case that there's been instances where the major label wants to run just general display advertising campaigns that will mainly run on uh, on Google for search results and on the Google Display Network, but they can leverage the YouTube traffic for retargeting. So in other right. words, they can say, hey, we're going to display ads on search results or on people, you know, just general blogs and media websites that are within the Google Display Network, right. but we want to make sure to prioritize those ad impressions towards people that have already watched Lil Wayne's videos or people that have even subscribed to his video. You can link your YouTube channel with your AdWords account to really make your ad campaigns more effective, even if you're not advertising video, even if you're not running pre-roll advertisements. Um, so there's a lot that can be done there. Yeah, um, retargeting is just like a super way, is a really good way to make sure that you're reaching the right people. Totally. So Brian, you mentioned MCNs. Historically, companies that focus on monetizing YouTube generally fall into one of two categories. There's MCNs and there's copyright or content ID agencies. And Brian, could you speak a little bit to the difference of those two models and what they kind of specialize and what kinds of artists and creators they work with? Well, and MCNs are multi-channel networks, so that helps if you are a video creator, and it will they will work with you to help uh, you know your growth and monetization within their network, and that's basically if you made the video, you can partner your channel with the multi-channel network. Content ID is about the copyright holder, and the copyright holder, you know, the IP owner, they may never have made a video at all. So what it is is YouTube has the content ID system, which is their own thing, and it's basically to, uh, they, it's a fingerprinting system, so that way it can protect three type of assets. It can protect the sound recording, uh, which is the, the master, you know, the recording itself uh, through fingerprinting of a waveform. It can protect the audiovisual asset, which is the video which contains that. And then through Melody Match, it can even protect, uh, in many cases, the underlying composition that's embedded in the sound recording or in the audiovisual uh, asset. Um, at AdRev, we ad we're the largest administrator of the content ID system, so we have a set of proprietary tools for ingestion and accounting, but also tools that help us make more claims and find more matches by infringing third-party users, uh, even with Melody Match for compositions, which is generally harder uh, to do the matching. So we can match songs even if they're used in live uh, in a live video version or in a, in a cover, if it was a commercially released cover. Uh, and then we can set up uh, basically a specific set of rules of what you want to do once we've found a match. If somebody has used your content, we can instruct, we can basically apply the set of rules that you want to block it, to track it, or which we encourage to monetize it, so that way you can make money everywhere. And we could do it by territory, we could do it by video, we can you know, do complex sort of sub-publisher and, and, uh, and writer-publisher splits and so on. So that, that's really what we do. So basically with Content ID, especially if you're in the music world, the end goal is to register your sound recordings and your compositions with Content ID directly or find some kind of agent 
uh, to do that for you so that you can identify any user uploaded video that uses any of that content. And again, you can choose to run ads on that and make money off of it, which is highly, highly lucrative and, you know, kind of uh, generated this windfall of cash in the past few years. Or choose to block it if people are using something in a manner that, you know, feel feel like puts your content in, in a disparaging light or it's not aligned with your like moral or ethical values or if someone's bootlegging your content in full. Um, so super useful tool. Now MCNs generally work more with video creators and channel creators and sometimes those are music companies but sometimes that's completely separate from music. Um, I think the focus of multi-channel networks is, is often more around um, more lucrative advertising <coughs> packages which will We'll get into that shortly, but also helping inform video creators on best practices on how to help them develop wider audiences and how to maximize their content, whether that's custom thumbnails, specific metadata, tips and tricks uh, that will help them get better search results, help them be more likely to get featured within YouTube's internal recommendation features. Um, Brian, you know, do you have any insight on what AdRev or you know, any other companies that are out there are doing to really help facilitate collaboration amongst video creators? Um, it's an interesting question. There's a lot of, it really depends on what type of multi-channel network you are. I mean, there's some that are very uh, focused on gamers or, or the like. Some are very you know, genre-specific. Some like full screen cast like a huge net and just want to partner everybody. Um, we work with some of the biggest YouTube stars. Uh, and we, have, we have some like Kurt Hugo Schneider, which has like four and a half million subscribers. So we could partner him with like a Tyler Ward or an Alex Goot, who is like one and a half million each, and they can grow each other massively. And there's a lot of money in it. Um, so a lot of it, because we're more of boutique MCN, a lot of it is just literally through the phone or email. Uh, but we also have a forum where people who are you know, doing work, especially you know, in certain genres or covers, can really meet each other, partner, and collaborate that way. Cool. Jay, can you tell me a little bit more about what Rumblefish is doing? I know that historically Rumblefish has been uh, more of a traditional sync licensing company. Um, the company's been around, I think, 16 or 17 years and focused more on you know, what, we, what we all think of as sync licensing, which is pitching music to be used in commercials, uh, movies, TV. And then a few years ago, kind of pivoted and focused more on these micro-licensing opportunities. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so what we've developed and what our attention is is going after and creating legitimate music or videos for the content creators and helping create more content to be put into YouTube. And that's through a micro-sync licensing option. So taking what um, he said over here about um, you know people ripping Lil Wayne songs off the video and then putting it on their video or uploading it to their channel, we're trying to combat that and make it legitimate. Have the video creators say, hey, listen, how can I legitimately have... Little Wayne or anybody else for that matter inside my video give them a license to do so give them a song to edit down to whatever they want to do for a UGC created video and upload it to YouTube now our, our, our point of view is how can we make more money for our rights holders that being the publisher and or the master side um, uses so what we say is hey listen we'll sell this microsync to the, the consumer and a UGC non-commercial use entity have them create the video and have it uploaded to YouTube so one is we get the transaction from the microsync licensing, and then two is we collect the ad revenue associated with that content ID inside of YouTube. So you have a 10-song album. Little Wayne has 10-song album. He has two official videos. That leaves eight songs just sitting there. You know, you could pump them into YouTube and do content ID, and you can, and you can combat piracy from people uploading it. But we're saying, hey, listen. Let's give those eight songs to the public and have them make fan-derived videos or direct consumer relationship where the fans themselves can say, hey, listen, my, this great, goes great with my kids. Or I want to actually go out and create a video that I want to – I'm a big fan of Little Wayne. I want to make my own video with a song. Why can't I do that? So let's use those eight other songs to say – how much more content can we pump in the, uh, YouTube to do content ID? I mean, doing content ID and policing content is fine for a finite amount of content. Our view is 
how much content can we possibly get in there and how much can we grow exponentially with ad revenues associated with those videos? So, you know, as much as he's coming from the, the promotion side and trying to be, uh, use it as a dynamic tool, say, hey, listen, we're going on tour or how can we have inner, um, you know, conversations with our fans? We're saying the same thing almost, but we're saying we're more on the monetization of it. We're saying, hey, listen, how much more content can we do it and direct it towards your fans and or anybody that wants to use that song or track? So we are coming for more of the monetization and how we can create more money over a period of time by using the content legitimately for the users. Cool. I think that's really cool because in addition to having like a, a small army of people that are out there creating content that you're able to monetize, it's also a, a real engagement story. At that point, you have more people talking about the artists, talking about the story behind the music. Well, and then, and, you know, the thing is, is that and I, I, we spoke about this earlier. What we're trying to do is... You know, you have digital distribution. You have an aggregator. You deal with somebody, uh, I don't know, in Grooves or the Orchard, whoever it is. You deliver your music. You go to Audio, Rhapsody, you know, iTunes, Spotify. Okay? So what we're saying is come to Rumblefish. We're going to aggregate that content for you and deliver it to all our different marketplaces, whether it be Social Cam, Clip, um, Animoto, um, Maker Studios, and even Audio Swap inside of YouTube to help you promote your music and try to monetize it in any way possible. Yeah, I'd say you know, the, probably the biggest UGC thing is, is lyric videos, man. Yeah. I mean, as soon as an, a song comes out, man, there's, I mean, it's just insane how yeah. many lyric videos so are out we'll, there. So, you know, we want to try to, you know, do the content idea in that, but for every asset that we ingest into our system, we create an album art video day one. So, number one, if you have 10 songs, going back to the 10 song album template is we create an album art. So now you have a video for every one of your assets, no matter what, okay? And then then we pump it up to UGC and have fans or user-generated content people create more videos on top of that. And I, I thoroughly agree with, uh, with Jay here. I think it's great, these, uh, these other platforms, like, you know, uh, to maximize the, the usages and the money from everywhere and not blocking it, but, you know, they deliver to SocialCam and Animoto and a bunch of, you know, small little platforms. I think it's great. And we, in turn, work with um, some of the largest MCNs on YouTube doing blanket licenses with Maker, Full Screen. Machinima and um, and you know hundreds of thousands of users uh, legitimately blanket licensing our um, our users' videos for use in their videos. So I think it's important to just get it out there to as many people as possible and make as much much money from it uh, as you possibly can. Yeah, full disclosure. Obviously, Brian um, used to work at CD Baby. What's one of our biggest clients? Um, the point of entry is difficult. I mean, I'm sure you can attest is that in order to clear this content, we, may be, we need to clear master side and, and publishing side. And so from doing it more with artists that are derived from a DIY aspect, CD Baby or anybody else that are able to clear publishing immediately, that's kind of where we get the, the brunt of our music from. Um, obviously, when you step into the major worlds, it gets a little bit more complex clearing rights and uh, publishing and all that good stuff. So... Cool. I want to dive a little bit deeper and more specifically into YouTube advertising um, because they have a few different ad products. Um, they've got the in-display ads, which are the little banners you see pop up in the, the bottom 20% of the screen. They've got display ads. They're just little banners that show up to the right of the video that you're watching. But by far the most lucrative ones are um, of various types of these pre-roll advertisements and sometimes they're mid-rolls they actually can appear in the middle of the video but basically commercials like video advertisements um, there's two primary ways in which those are delivered and that's via auction similar to AdWords you know like any kind of you know it could be like your local plumber or it could be a big brand that says hey we want to put in a bid for content that's you know desirable to you know the demographic we're trying to reach and if you outbid everybody else then your ad gets served the other way is through reserved ad packages, and those are either brokered directly by Google's ad sales team. Either they package content together that they think will be desirable to the brands they work with, or brands can come to Google and specifically ask for certain types of content. And they may ask to you know, hit a very targeted demographic, or they may ask to target a specific you know, handful of channels. So... When you're looking at the CPMs associated with this, the reserved ads are, are way more lucrative than the auction ads. Um, so that would kind of beg the question, what can you do to increase the likelihood of, of having those reserved ads served on your channel? Uh, and YouTube kind of points to four specific things you should keep in mind when you're creating your content and developing your channel if you want to attract the attention of Google's internal ad sales team 
and external brands. And even if we, you know, outside of advertising, if we just talk about brand integrations and sponsorships in general, I think the same kind of thing applies. Those four things are, do you have a highly targeted audience? Is that audience broad enough to, uh, to gain the attention of a brand? Do you connect with that audience in some kind of unique way? If there's 10 other channels that all have targeted that same demographic, like what are you doing different, differently and more uniquely that would make your channel uh, more desirable for that? And then finally, do you have any kind of thought leaders or celebrities or people that are known and respected in those areas uh, that they can kind of attach to because those are all super important to them? Um, there is an ability once you reach a pretty high monthly view count to take the ad sales out of Google's hands and to directly broker your own ad sales packages with brands that choose to, to advertise on your content. Brian, I'd love to get your thoughts on that because I know that that's one of the services that a lot of MCNs tout. They say, like, hey, in addition to giving you best practices, auditing your, your channels and your videos and optimizing and giving you tips, we'll go out and you know s- sell and close on your behalf these highly lucrative ad Packages and there's a lot of discussion as to the the value of that uh, and whether or not it's more lucrative by the time that money trickles down to the actual content creators and video channels. My thoughts are is that it's snake oil. Care to elaborate? Uh, no, but 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 if I must, I will. Will you so, please so in, in um. <laughs> Look, I mean, the whole idea of these reserved or premium ads, I mean, what? You're going to, like, outsell Google's ad sales team. Like, I mean, Google is like an advertising company. They're a panopticon. They're the great, yes, they're the greatest company in the world for the Google employees that are watching. But the fact is, is that they're, you're, you're not going to outsell them. Show up. And then you're, you're going to, oh, Jesus. Um, uh, it's even at... It doesn't matter because there's nothing you can do about it, meaning all the things that, 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 that Gray said about, well, you know, appeal to this demographic and F-thought leaders. I mean, you're, those are things that are successful formulas. That doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to be able to do them. You're going to be able to do the content that you're going to be able to do. Neil Young is not going to be able to make a Lady Gaga song, although I believe he did try for Geffen Records in the late yeah. 80s. Um, but, but it's really something, you know, you're going to, do, you're going to be, have the content that you're going to have, and it's going to appeal to the demographic that it's going to appeal. So then if you're not going to outsell... Google's team, you know, you can go to an MCN who would promise to do this, but if you were to dig into their financials, it's really a tiny percentage of all of the money that comes into an MCN really happens from direct sales. And if you think about it, it makes sense because a lot of the CPMs are dependent, A, on factors beyond your control, what I, as I said, and B, on factors beyond your control, meaning that you know, it might depend on the ad inventory from a month, or it might depend on the viewer location or demographic, or maybe there's like, maybe it's like Halloween and somebody's wearing a Transformer, you know, like one of our big YouTube stars wearing a Transformers costume, so Mattel takes out an ad with a $30 CPM or something. I mean, anything is possible, but really it's about the, the biggest factor in that you can control, if you can control it, in generating revenue for yourselves is getting a big subscriber base. There's really no better variable than that to control for, and I really believe that this whole thing of direct sales appeals to is something that can be participated in by very few people, and if you are one of that select group, if you are in fact Jay-Z, uh, yeah, power to you. I couldn't agree more. I think you're exactly right. I only think it appeals to the spot zero one percent of the business. Um, I also agree that I think YouTube and Google are the biggest components of them wanting to make money, and they want their forty five percent. And still, in the in the world of viral videos, there's still no exact equation from zero to a million in three weeks means X. I mean, you're you're talking about different CPM buckets that are involved and. It's, it's too hard of an equation to think that you're going to hand it off to a third, third party to, for them to make you more money than you think you're going to make. I, I just I, I feel like somebody, maybe with your clientele, um, no, could definitely benefit more uh, for the, from the branding standpoint. But from a big part of these MCNs, like there's only a, a certain percentage of these MCNs that can really use that leverage 
um, to do that. Well, wait, yeah. as an MCM, we can make people more money. We can get them more views. We can't get them higher CPMs through direct sales in most cases. Quickly, That's just because we didn't cover it earlier, for anyone who doesn't know, CPM is cost per thousand impressions, so it's just a way to determine how much money you're making per impression. They don't do it per impression because usually it's fractions of a penny, whereas CPMs fall into the dollar, tens of dollars. So when we talk about CPM, that's just how much you're making per view. Yeah, but I mean, look, I, I'd also say, like, even for, you know, for us, and we don't have, you know, the channels we manage don't have near the number of subscribers that some of, some of you have, but there's certainly, you know, a big brand association with, with some of the artists. And even in doing deals with, you know, and talking with ad networks who want not just the inventory on the website but also want access to the inventory from the videos I'm still seeing and you know talking even talking with you know counterparts that are managing other you know really uh, big artist digital properties that getting those higher CPMs and like holding stuff back and doing direct deals with ad networks to try to place these ads is still super hard, and, and, and people are not being really... I'm you know not what's worked well for, for, for our artists is, uh, is direct product placements and brand endorsements yeah. in the videos. Absolutely. Like some of our yeah. artists yeah. will have product placements in the videos, and they're making ridiculous money. For that, doing that's that. awesome, and the, and the best way to make that happen is if you have the time to go about doing it. Right, so the if you're gonna if you're saying okay, I'm gonna make this video some you know over sometime over the course of the next sixty days, and this is a treatment, and this is an opportunity for me to put in you know this coffee mug, your coffee mug, right? But <laughs> what what is a challenge for? It probably works better for people who who who's uh, who their business is just to create videos, but. For for I think a lot of music clients, Absolutely. it is so much harder because the turnaround time is like oh we're shooting a video why because you don't week. you don't have an album coming out every five days right or every sure. week or or, 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 or or it's like oh we, we got to shoot a video we're shooting the video next week um, and you know it's just like always a, a scramble to get the video done and trying to then go to uh, you know people for uh, product placement is is can be a challenge it, I'm not saying it doesn't happen it does happen you see it. But MCNs are for the video creators. And, right, you know, If you right. look at YouTube's demographic, which is somewhere hovering around 15 years of age, you know, some of the biggest YouTube stars are not actually stars on the planet Earth. I mean, you know, you might <laughs> see them down the street and not even know who they are, and they might have, yeah, unless you're at Comic Con, right? millions of views. I'm sorry, unless, unless you're at Comic Con, unless you're at Comic Con. This <laughs> um, is true. Real quick, I mean, I think the by far the best thing about these. Uh, paid product placements or like native integrations where you're actually brokering something outside of advertising is that Google doesn't get 45% of that. So, you know, and that there's all these opportunities to leverage that relationship outside. I, of I don't mind Google's VIG if the, if they're paying out, you know, tens of millions of dollars, we're on track to pay over $10 million this year. And if Google takes 45%, if they take 99%, it's all the same to me as long as, you know, they're growing with their, their – it's the greatest discovery platform in the history of content and, you know, over a billion users. That's one-seventh of every man, woman, child, you know, on this entire planet. So it's uh, – I don't – their vig doesn't bother me. Totally agreed. And one thing that I, I don't think we'll have the time to dive into as much as I wanted to is that YouTube is a great discovery platform, but I always tell people that you need to capture the, the wide audience on YouTube, you know, second largest search engine online. You will never reach as many people as you will reach on YouTube on another platform, but what you want to do is capture that fan base and help bring the super fans, the most dedicated customers off-platform and help introduce them, whether that's your own proprietary website, whether that's driving them to like VIP experiences, ticket sales, merchandise. I think the ultimate goal is to continue to foster that YouTube community, but find the most valuable viewers and fans and take them somewhere else where you can engage with them more deeply, even if you just want to find out who they are. On YouTube, you have their you know, pseudo-anonymous username, but you don't have any kind of email information, contact. You have no ability to, to market to them directly. So I think that's important worth noting, keeping in mind. I also think what's point, important to know is using what you have, your rights, and your assets to make them work for you. 
you know, and, and that's the way what YouTube is great for, right? If you're a rights holder, it's, it's carte blanche to about what you want to do. What do you want to be dynamic and message your, your fan base and or content creation and or having UGC creation? I mean, using assets inside of YouTube, there's no other platform that's going to enable you to do that. Cool. So quickly, I want to hit some, some little facts about the YouTube ad formats specifically in case anyone's like actively really focusing on their YouTube monetization. Uh, was really hoping to get feedback from our YouTube rep on this, but she unfortunately had to cancel last minute um, without explanation. So I'm, su- I'm sure there's a good one. Um, so as of last year, right around this time last year, they announced that the TrueView pre-roll ad formats um, had had reduced drop-off by over 40% in compared to the standard in-stream. So standard in-stream ads are those pre-roll ads that run for 15 seconds and you can't skip them. True views are the ones where you can skip after five seconds. They've really been encouraging people to use the true views instead of the in-stream in a lot of cases because of that. They say that you know about 40% less people will just abandon the video due to that. Um, they say that the completion rate on true views ranges from 15 to 50%. That's a pretty broad range that doesn't really get a lot of information. I was hoping to get more clarity on how that's evolved and what data they have now since a year has passed. But one of the most interesting things I found out that I think was one of the least publicized is that the use of mid-roll ads apparently have the highest completion rates. Mid-roll ads are ads that you can choose when and where to insert in long-form content, long-form content being anything longer than 10 minutes. So if anyone's working with video content on YouTube and you're monetizing it and it's over 10 minutes... I'd highly encourage you to, to start using mid-rolls and find out, um, kind of get, get your head around the, the best way to use those and the, the best frequency to use those without uh, deterring viewers from the rest of your video content. Cool. I think, um, I think we'd like to open up for questions at this point. Hey. Uh, my name is Colin Carrier. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer for Twitch. Um, if you guys don't know, Twitch is a video games platform for the most part. Uh, I was at Ustream for four years, so I did a ton of live music um, and then ran Justin TV for interim uh, while at Twitch. We've done some recent music trials on Twitch um, and seeing how that works. I'm curious how you guys think about live. You mentioned a lot of all VOD platforms. Obviously, YouTube is uh, the big player here, but I'm curious what you guys think about live. For the most part, it's been really just used as an events platform, mostly for sort of one-off PR-worthy events, but I think... What Twitch has done on the gaming side has sort of proven that there's much more content to be done live in a pretty serious way. Totally. That's a high area of interest, and I spoke with some of my clients prior to this panel about that. Um, curious, are you specifically talking about monetizing live and doing it on like a pay-per-view or video-on-demand basis or just, just live streaming in general? In general. Okay. Um, you know, YouTube has this live streaming feature, and that's one of the things I was also going to ask our YouTube rep is, how much of a priority is that? What kind of traction are you seeing with that? Because it seems like there's been a lot of drive to push people towards uh, Google Hangouts, which is kind of a different thing. Um, I separately do a lot of work in the space of battle rap, which has been super lucrative in video on demand and pay-per-view. People are willing to pay 20 to $40 just to access these two-hour events on demand. For megastar artists, even you know the top caliber artists, I don't see a lot of demand for people paying... You know, even $10 to live stream a concert. I think there's a lot of interest there. I'm not sure that the industry is, is quite there yet. There's a few different platforms. There's, um, you know, yeah, Stage Ustream, live stream. And, uh, and specifically, one of the clients that has had a lot of success um, in video and is dabbling with, with live streaming said that via Live Nation, they did this integration with uh, Yahoo Screen, which is a, a product that Yahoo's developing kind of to compete with YouTube eventually. Um, so that was interesting. You know, the the best value add for them is that they didn't have to pay any kind of production cost. But he specifically asked me, "What are your thoughts on Twitch?" So I'd love to talk to you offline and kind of find out more about what you guys are doing. But but in general, I you know, and want everybody else to weigh in. But um, I think the, the, the compelling thing, I think the thing that would be very interesting and intriguing to me about live music and where and the live stream of it is when there's a ten tour, a ten show tour, and they're all sold out, and I'm a fan, I can't even go. Where am I going to go? Right. So as soon as the show is sold out, you have leverage with the fan and say, okay, listen, 10 bucks isn't so big of a deal. Yeah. But 
the leverage point for the band and the management has to be that it's sold out. That gives the almost a blackout effect with the old days with the NFL and that kind of stuff. Is like, hey, listen, here's an opportunity to engage with the fan. I think there is a serious market for that. Um, New Year's yeah. Eve shows, marquee events, uh, Madison Square Garden sold out. I'm going to stay home and be my friends at 10 bucks. I mean, I think there is definitely some leverage points in that. Because there's yeah, nothing better yeah. I want to do on New Year's Eve than look at my iPhone and watch a concert that I'm not at. Well, when you have a seventh-month-old son, um, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I think one of the challenges associated with it is that generating enough revenue to cover the production costs associated with it, which um, can, can be tough. Uh, so that's when... GoPro, having, ca- GoPro cameras on the speakers and in the front. Right. I, I mean, that, that, that's cool. I, that, that'd be for, yeah, that could be cool for some artists, right? But, like, you know, when you start talking about having seven cameras and cranes and all that kind of stuff, which, uh, you know, some of the bigger artists are going to be looking for, then, you know, it can cost three, four, five hundred thousand dollars to, 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 to produce to, to produce an event. And in that case, it's not that you can't do that. That's only 20,000 fans at 20 bucks. Yeah, but, like you're not, but, 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 but yeah, but you're, you're not getting that many people. To, I don't think that many people are spending that money right now. I'm going to show my uh, back end of my my music taste here. So there's this band Fish, yeah, and they're doing it, there and they're making a lot of money, and they're selling out twenty thousand person arenas, and they have it on staff, and and they're selling twenty dollar tickets, and and there's a twenty thirty thousand people. To, so I'm saying it's going to take time yeah. to do it, marquee events. But I agree with you. Yeah. The production value has to be the best possible to right. do it, but. I think it's possible. I, I do wonder I think, though. I, I mean, Jay- there, it'll it'll happen. It's not today. For at I least agree. for enough for all of our for someone like Fish, that's awesome. It's, I'm, it's I wonder if, if it, work, it would work for Fish. It. I wonder how it would work for a musical act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, sorry. So, is do we have time for any more questions? Or are we? <laughs> yeah, another question. At least one more question. Another sixty-five million. What's that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One more question. Sorry. I want to target a very small music music group, jazz lovers, etc. Which I know a number of groups have tried. How do I do it, or can I do it, really, in a cost-effective way? You talking about with your original content, or are you talking about advertising on it? I'm talking about trying to place an ad on a YouTube video page that sure. has the right user characteristics. Totally. You can totally do that. Yeah. You can totally yeah. do that. Jazz lover page. Yeah, you can totally do that. Yeah, very easy. So, like, you just yeah. set up an AdWords account, and you choose whatever video you want to run as an advertisement. And then within AdWords, you can choose whether or not you want to target to, you know, to people on a geographic basis based on topics or interests. But what's way more interesting is you can actually target the specific channels yeah. or even just the individual yeah. videos you want to run ads on. So let's say like there's like three or four jazz videos that this month happen to be kind of hot topics and getting lots of views. You can literally set up a campaign to just run your advertisement on those four videos. So it's, you've got like a high level of granularity on what you want to choose to advertise on. That's available now. Yeah. yeah. Any more questions before we get cut out? Anybody? Bueller, no? Cool. All right, well, thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thanks.